0: For now, if you would just turn with me to Luke chapter 6, that is page 810, if you have a church Bible, Luke chapter 6, this is going to be a great place for us to begin talking about how change happens. Luke 6, beginning... At verse 43, we're just going to read a few verses here right now. This is Jesus speaking. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his, his mouth speaks. All right. <clears throat> if I hold up an apple, you guys know exactly where it came from. And I don't mean giant. I mean, it came from an apple tree. No one has to tell you that. You just know, right? If I hold up a banana, you also know where that came from. No one has to tell you that this came from a banana tree. And this is because every tree is known by its own fruit. That's what Jesus says right there in verse 44. So far, we're following along along well with this basic agricultural lesson of Jesus. He's saying that there's a direct correlation between the tree and its fruit. Now, verse 44 is in the context of verse 43, in which Jesus makes clear that he's not primarily talking about types of fruit. That's not his primary point here, but whether a given fruit is good or bad. So let's say that I would gathered a bunch of apples and I showed them to you and you saw that they were all rotten and brown and full of holes. You'd say something is wrong, right? You'd say that something was wrong in particular with the tree that they came from. Well, how would you know that? None of you would have to go out and dig around in the soil and and take soil samples of the tree and send it to labs. You wouldn't have to saw down the tree and look inside. You would just know how by looking at what it produced. You'd look at the fruit and that tells you about the health of the tree. Now, in verse 45 here, Jesus explains that people are a lot like trees, he says, you can know whether a person is good or bad simply at looking at what that person produces. Because what, if what they're producing, or I'm sorry, what they're producing is coming from their hearts. So the, the good in someone's heart produces good. The evil in someone's heart produces evil. Why is there water on the floor? You might say, Tom, you dummy, you just hit the cup. Well, that's true, I did hit the cup. But what if that cup didn't have water in it? What if that cup was full of peanuts? What would be on the floor right now? Not water, peanuts. Yeah, see, they're tracking, good job. And, And so it would have been the same bump but different things would have come out. And our hearts work in a similar way. When the world bumps us, what's inside of us comes spilling out. Good or bad, beautiful or ugly, it'll be there on the floor for everyone to see. And thus, our reactions to the world's bumps actually tell us more about our hearts than it tells us about the bumps themselves. Because everyone gets bumps, right? All of us do. Sometimes they're small, like, A harsh tone in someone's voice, or a car that won't start, or getting a B when you thought you were getting an A. And sometimes they're big, like dealing with a chronic illness, or a global pandemic, or the death of a loved one. So big or small, the world will bump you in a million different ways. And every one of those bumps is going to expose what's inside your heart, just like the fruit on the tree Just like the water on the floor. Now let me pause for just a moment. What does Jesus mean when he talks about the heart? Biblically, the heart is the core. It's the center of who you are. It's where your passions come from. It's what motivates you and drives you. And all of us are passionate and motivated and driven by whatever it is we value most. And that's why Jesus here talks about the heart's treasure in verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure, his evil treasure produces evil. So, so like treasure connotes something of, of like exceptional value, right? That's what treasure is. So our heart's treasure is whatever our heart considers of greatest value. It's whatever has captivated our hearts. It's what we want more than anything. It's what we feel like we need in order to satisfy our deepest desires. Now, that treasure can be all manner of things. Our treasure can be evil things like lies or pornography or witchcraft or whatever. And our heart can also be uh, can also treasure good things. That can, that our treasure can be good, like, uh, I mean, we, we've countless good things that we can love, like, like family and, and, and church and, and, uh, reading the scriptures and all those things. Those are all good things. But what, what, what our hearts do because of the nature of sin is even when we, we have something that is a good treasure, our heart twists it and it, and it, it we end up loving things too much or in the wrong ways, which turns those good things into bad things. Relationships, become codependency money a good thing becomes greed created things become false gods and so when we see bad fruit on our uh, in our lives on our proverbial trees i want to i want to show you guys what's happening and i'm going to share the screen here so i can we can all be looking at the same thing uh, I apologize for our friends on Zoom. I don't think you're going to get a first-rate experience here, but I'm going to do my very best. All right. So I have not um, I have not drawn in uh, in Zoom for a while, but we're going to try this, and hopefully this will work for us. All right. So. This is what you should have in your packet. Uh, If you are on Zoom, you can download this diagram. It's it's on the the church homepage right where you found the rest of our our bulletins. So what's happening is that the world, revealing fruit, revealing what's in your heart, reveals your treasure. And so I'm going to, whoops, if I can spell, this is what's happening. And if you like to doodle in your... On your little diagram there, go for it. This is the process of what's taking place. There's a revelation. There's revealing taking place. And what, what particularly is happening is when the world bumps us, it reveals our fruit, right? We can, we can see what comes out, the water, the, the fruit. That reveals what's in our heart. And that in turn reveals what it is we are treasuring. So let, let me give you an example of what this all might look like practically. So early on in our relationship, I realized that Ali and I had very different views of time in, in, in my view of time, five minutes early, being five minutes early to something was being on time, being on time was being late and showing up anything past that was basically declaring very clearly that you absolutely hate this person or event. Now, I don't remember when it was I learned that clearly obvious and universal truth, but uh, perhaps it was when I was a child and uh, my dad would tell me that he's coming to pick me up at 5, and at 6, I'd still be waiting, and at 7, I'm still waiting, and sometimes he never showed. Now, contrast that to Allie's view of time. In Allie's world, if you needed to be somewhere at 5 o'clock, you start getting ready somewhere around 450 regardless of how far away things were now in ali's defense before we got married she used to have all of her clocks set 10 minutes fast and in what would become a very rare instance of me putting my foot down in our relationship i told her no i do not want to know what time it will be i want to know what time it is not, not what time it'll be ten minutes from now, but in doing so, I broke her entire system, and it took her about twelve years to recover. And during those years, to my shame, I did not handle things particularly well. Whenever we need to be somewhere, at say five o'clock, right around four thirty, I'd start pacing, I'd get irritable, I'd give one-word answers to everything, and you can imagine how helpful my constant nagging would have been. <laughs> And then, as 5 o'clock got really, really close, you can further imagine how gently and lovingly I guided my wife to our car and how, how carefully I obeyed every sovereignly ordained speed limit on the way. My friends, the world, bumped me, and my bad fruit was everywhere on display. What I'd wanted in my heart was that I wanted for us to be on time. I wanted for Allie and I to be on the same team, seeing things the same way, striving together against the tyranny of time. I wanted the people we were going to see to know that we cared about them by showing up on time, which, of course, meant early. And I wanted to control the situation. I wanted to control Allie. Do you hear all those desires of my heart? Do you, do you see all those things I'd wanted but didn't get? And did you notice how few of those things involved considering what was best for Ali, for our marriage, or really even for our friends? All of it is really about what I wanted. It was very selfish. And so based on those desires of my heart, what was it? What did it reveal that I was treasuring? What external things, real or imagined, was my heart attracted to? What evil things or good things turned ultimate things, had, and therefore bad things, had my heart gone after? What person or power or, or passion was, was promising me relief if only I'd bow down to it? Well, here are some possibilities, <laughs> not made up. One was control. For things to go according to my plan and according to my standards. Or comfort. You know, for an easy marriage where Allie and I would see things the same way. We all kind of want that, don't we? Or maybe approval. Approval of those whom we were going to visit. And the approval of those who wondered, what kind of marriage do Tom and Allie have? Friends, if someone would have promised me control... In those moments between 4.30 and 5 o'clock, I've, I'd have handed them my credit card. Take whatever you need. If, if someone had offered me comfort, comfort in a bottle, I guess many people do offer us comfort in a bottle, I'd have drank it on down. If Satan had himself had come promising me that everyone would approve, would I not have been tempted to bow down and worship him and in some ways it seems i did so that's our problem revealed friends that's the super discouraging nature of seeing our sin in this world knowing is half the battle but this talk is about how change happens so how does change happen Let's take a look at the next text, Colossians 1. You can find that if you have a church Bible on uh, page 924. You'll probably want to look for 925. 924 doesn't actually have the page number written on it. 924, Colossians chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Colossae. My friends, behold the majesty of God, starting at verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I'm going to pause this right there for the sake of time, but we could go on and on. Paul does, in fact, go on and on. In fact, you get every sense from reading this text that Paul is simply grasping it in vain at words that somehow in some miraculous way could possibly capture even the smallest measure of the worth of Jesus Christ. He tells us that Jesus Christ was before all things and in all places. All things that were created, whether seen by all peoples or no one but angels, were perfectly crafted by his hands for his glory. And every one of those things is sustained each and every moment by the active, sovereign, loving will of Jesus Christ. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell And yet from that fullness, Jesus, our Savior, emptied himself completely. Why? To reconcile all things to himself in heaven and in earth. Brothers and sisters, he emptied himself to reconcile you and me to himself. And in doing so, he made peace between God the Father and us. Every one of us was alienated from him and hostile toward him. And Jesus fixed everything. Jesus truly paid it all. And now through his loving sacrifice, through his death on the cross, we now have the hope of being presented holy and blameless and above reproach. We who were once God's enemies are now God's family. And that's just a few verses of one letter of this glorious book that God has given us to learn about him. But friends, those few verses tell us everything we need to know to change. It tells us that Jesus Christ is our superior treasure. And I want to show you how this works if we are treasuring something other than christ then we are we're treasuring something that cannot and will not satisfy us and so what we need to do is change treasures and then everything falls into place jesus christ is altogether satisfying if we're not if we're loving something other than christ We're loving something that will not and cannot love us back. But but Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. He is a superior treasure. If we're pursuing something other than Christ, we're pursuing something that will not and cannot love us back. But Jesus first pursued us. If we're worshiping anything other than Christ, we're worshiping something that is frail and fallible and false. But if Jesus Christ is worthy, then he is worthy of all of our praise. Because he is our superior treasure. So do you want control? I wanted control. If you're like me, then, then one more control could we possibly get than having the supreme God of the universe, who is sovereignly reigning over all things, approve of us and give us the opportunity to reign with him. He's sovereignly and supremely reigning. Everything is going to according to his perfect plan. This is God's plan A, and he neither has nor needs a plan B. Or do you want approval like I did? Jesus Christ approves of you, friend. He absolutely does. He died on a cross to make you righteous, and he has saved you and is saving you and will one day save you. Do you want forgiveness or justice, or love, or family, or mercy, or friendship. Jesus Christ offers every single one of these things in lavish, limitless abundance. And he is unfailingly offering it to you today and tomorrow and throughout all eternity. Everything you and I want, friends, everything that we long for, everything that is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely. If there's anything commendable, if there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, it is found supremely in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our superior treasure. So here's the principle. Here's how how this whole diagram works. Here's how true change happens. You could fill it in on your outline if you haven't already. Change takes place as we increasingly treasure Jesus Christ. Change takes place as we increasingly treasure Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps you're here this morning. And having heard what Paul says about Jesus. You, you for the first time, believe that it's true. You hadn't known or understood what Jesus has done for you, but now you do. For the first time in your life, right now, you truly want to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus as your superior treasure, just like this. If that just happened, friend, then it is very possible that you just became a Christian. And they tell you, that is no small step. That is not marginal improvement. That's not like getting a B plus, then getting an A plus graded on a curve. No, the Bible says that you, my friend, just went from death to life. From darkness, absolute darkness, to light. You went from being God's enemy to being God's family. And if that's you, please don't leave today without telling someone about what you just came to believe. Come and talk to me. Talk to a Christian friend you're sitting with. But we want to tell you more about what just took place and why it matters. Even if if you haven't yet believed in Jesus, but if you're curious to know if Jesus really could be your truly satisfying treasure, please come talk to us about that too. Okay, so back to this diagram. I I already made this claim that if we can get that last piece right, If we, if our treasure becomes Jesus and we increasingly put our, our love and hope and worship there, then I said, all this other stuff you just get for free. Well, how does that work? Well, that happens that therefore that takes place on the right side of the diagram that that all comes about because of what we already read back in Luke chapter six. Do you remember what Jesus said? It's this, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. It's simply going to happen. It has to happen. Just as simply as apples come from apple trees. Your heart's treasure has changed, friends. And so as that happens, your desires are now fulfilled in Christ. And Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. So if Christ is your treasure, where where once... Let me draw I uh, keep up with my diagram here. So if... If we have treasured Christ, your heart's going to follow. That's going to change your heart. And so where you used to have a a heart that was full of shame, now there's a heart that is full of acceptance in Christ. If you had a heart that was full of fear, now there's confidence in Christ. If it was anger, now there's peace in Christ. Was it full of longing? Now it's full of satisfaction in Christ. Was it full of demands? Like mine was. Now it's full of patience in Christ. Anywhere that there was idolatry. And we were worshiping things that cannot satisfy. Now there is only Christ. Oh and all those good desires friends. That's going to produce good fruit. Jesus already told us that. Kind words. Humble service. Eager evangelism. And yes patient marriages and that good fruit friends will impact the world around us and that world will glorify god it has to because we sure don't get the glory for what's happening on that right side it all goes to christ that my friends is how true and lasting change happens now, that being said, even though this, this change can and will and must happen as we increasingly treasure Jesus Christ, God nevertheless still gives us opportunities here to faithfully partner with his work in us so as to make the most of this whole process, okay? So this really does have to happen as we treasure Christ more, but we can partner with the spirit. Let's talk a bit more about what that looks like, okay? So we'll, we'll start here with, with the heart. Yes, we've come to see how Christ is our superior treasure and supremely satisfies our desires. However, we must still confess that a wrong was done. Okay, we, we broke the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. We weren't doing that. And now, by God's grace, we, we, we are. It wasn't merely foolish to love things other than God. Than God. It, it was foolish. It was just not merely foolish. It was also sin. We sinned against God, and so we must repent and ask for God's forgiveness. And then flowing from that repentance, we, we we should believe in the promises of God in Christ who not only forgives us for our idolatry, but is himself the solution to our idolatry. So practically, this will probably take the form of prayer and praise. It could be praying at your bedside, singing in your car, meditating on and memorizing scripture about about who christ is and how he satisfies our desires could be journaling whatever you find helpful for drawing near to god and note that repentance and belief while distinct concepts can and usually do take place at the same time repentance simply means the, the turning away from lesser things and belief here is the turning toward christ and so it's it's one turn one action but two distinct ideas And then once once we've done this, once we've repented and believed, we should follow the counsel of John the Baptist, who in Luke 3 said this, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And that, of course, is represented in our diagram here by our fruit bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Practically, consider what you should do or say, both now and in the future, in keeping with that repentance. For example, if you spoke harsh words to someone, you should now go and ask their, for their forgiveness. We talk with our kids about this all the time. If you spoke harsh words, go and ask for their forgiveness. And in the future, don't just don't say bad things, but speak kind words and uplifting words instead because true repentance isn't just isn't just not doing this thing but turning over here and doing the opposite that's what repentance means so in our example from earlier with me and ally what i what i might do now as as change was taking place is i'd speak to ally and, and apologize for my attitude and my unkind words and breaking the speed limit and all those other things that that did not honor her or the lord and then i'd affirm my love for her and what a joy it is to partner together and to visit our friends and and to thank her for her grace in bearing with me as I increasingly treasure Jesus Christ. And then I'd consider what a a Christ-treasuring heart could do the next time that 4.30 rolls around and I'm tempted towards the idols of control and comfort and so on. So, for example, I could make it a point when 4.30 is approaching to spend that time in prayer, praying for 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 Ali, praying for our friends that we were going to see, that we have good conversations, that would be Christ-centered. Prayer uh, that that Jesus would use those conversations for his glory. I could also remind myself that I'm not the center of the universe. This isn't all about me. It's all about Christ. And most people will neither notice nor care when the Hallmans actually arrive. You do now because it's a lot louder when our whole family comes. But back then we weren't quite so bad. And finally, okay, we'll complete our diagram here by observing that the good good fruit we produce can be used by God to impact the world for him. Jesus says in Matthew 5.16 that we should let others see our good works so that they would give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Friends, when others, other Christians or non-Christians, when they see our good works, we have the opportunity to tell them, about the incredible worth and glory of Jesus Christ, our superior treasure, and that God might, by his grace, see fit to win worshipers to himself through us. So let let this final step here, if, there, if there's an action for this step, it would be to, to continue praying that God would use us in his service and that he would continue his gracious work of further changing us. And so I could pray for for Ali. I could pray for um, God to give me peace and faith in them when I'm running late. And so we've come full circle here, right? The very world that God used to bump us in the first place to reveal of what, what was going on inside is now the same world that God blesses through his transforming work in us. And all the while, we get to experience the joy of increasingly treasuring Jesus Christ. Friends, That is how change happens. Now, I want to finish our time here. I want to offer several warnings regarding false change. Three three ways in which we might inadvertently short-circuit this entire process. And the first one, here's a different color here, the first one is thinking that change happens up here. The world to the world. This is when we put our hope in the world to change the world basically open any newspaper or news website and read a few articles and ask yourself what are they suggesting will make things better how will change happen it could be science or technology or medicine it could be art or poetry or community it could be some politician or celebrity it could be the constitution or democracy or a court ruling All of these things can be good things and do good things. It's totally fine to buy smartphones and support politicians and to pray for our courts. But none of those things will fix our core problem because none of those things can change human hearts. And let me tell you, this side of glory, the world is not going to fix the world. It's not going to stop bumping you. You can't hide from it. You can't avoid it. Even if you went and, and lived like a hermit on top of some mountain, sin would still find you because you take it wherever you go. It's inside you. And the only solution is to increasingly treasure Jesus Christ. So in my example about Ali and me, this false change here could look like setting all of our clocks 10 minutes forward again. Yay! Or I could occasionally send Allie our, uh, articles about time management. <laughs> Super helpful, right? We all have friends like that. I was one of them. Um, or maybe maybe me asking a friend to be like, Hey, could you just kind of mention to Allie how her being late is impacting everyone? Friends, all those things are external. And they, they may even help a little, but they won't result in true or lasting change In Allie or in me. All right, that's the first kind of false change. Here's the second kind. Fruit to fruit. Imagine if you took a beautiful apple and you stapled it onto an unhealthy, rotten tree. How long would those beautiful apples last? Not very long. It'd be obvious to everyone real fast that something wasn't right. And yet that is often the very best counsel that the world has to offer. So if you're failing a class or not getting promoted at work or making, you know, having trouble making new friends, you're trying to lose weight, whatever it is, what the world tells us is try harder. We should do more, do better, fake it till you make it staple on that good fruit goodness friends we've all tried that every one of us has tried that how long does it last a day maybe a week if you're really strong-willed friends in all those cases the water is still in the cup nothing's actually changed or change really matters stapling on good fruit does not make a good tree In my example with Allie, I I might try this this fruit-to-fruit sort of change by by just thinking of nice things to say about her as 5 o'clock is drawing near. Thank you, Lord, that you made my wife the way she did. Or you did. She has so many good qualities, too. It could be counting backwards from 10 when I feel impatient. It could be forcing myself to drive the speed limit when I'm running late. (laughs) None of those things is bad, friends. But none of those things will result in true or lasting change either, will it? If I'm forcing a smile while stewing on the inside, does that honor Jesus? Does that honor Allie? Does that even make me feel better? No. It's just a temporarily shiny apple on an otherwise rotten tree. Well, you guys can guess where the third false change is going to go. And you might be wondering, what does that look like? This heart-to-heart sort of change. This is is far more subtle, and it's so. So it's far more dangerous for all those of you here who are saying "Amen" in your hearts as I'm speaking about Jesus. You're the, the to the people who know the gospel, who know the scriptures, who who know we need to change this is going to be one of the number one temptations for us and this often takes the form of the so so so-called sunday school answers these are these are right answers things like don't be afraid because god is good and he cares for you or it's okay to be late tom because god works all things together for good these are true things friends Those are true statements. They're not incorrect. They're just incomplete. Because right answers, apart from treasuring Christ, are wrong answers. And that's because knowing right answers doesn't change you. Treasuring Christ changes you. Friends, the solution here is to make sure that you're identifying what your heart really desires and then finding those desires satisfied in Christ. So yes, God is good, but do I see his goodness in Christ? And yes, God does work all things together, but, but can I see how he does so in Christ and through Christ and for Christ? It's so easy to skip that. That's, The whole, the entire, you know, the, the, the bulk of the conversations that Jesus had with the Pharisees were on that level, weren't they? Jesus said to them, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life so far, so good. And it is they that bear witness about me yet. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. Those are Jesus's words in John five. And he could say the same thing to many of us in the case of Ali and me, I might get this wrong. By identifying that I really want the approval of others, I do. But then concluding, well, Jesus suffered far worse rejection than I do. And so I I shouldn't be upset if others judge me. But do you you see how I'm actually skipping that last crucial step there? Do you you see that, that what I said is true? Yes, Jesus did suffer more than I have. Absolutely true. And I even explicitly mentioned Jesus, so that sounds right. But how does the truth that Jesus suffered worse than me result in me treasuring Jesus more? It doesn't. It's treating Jesus as a role model, which isn't incorrect. It's just incomplete. Even atheists can view Jesus as a role model for suffering well. But Jesus didn't simply die to show you how you should do it. He died to do what you couldn't do, to reconcile you to God forever. And Jesus died to give you what you couldn't earn, the very approval that your heart is longing for. That's a whole lot more satisfying than be more like Jesus, isn't it? Be more like Jesus won't change you, even if it's valid. But increasingly treasuring Jesus Christ, that changes you. So those friends, those are three types of false change to look for. You've got to be really careful to move all the way down. Now, be- before I close, I want to I just mention one brief caveat to all this, because I, I, I fear that I could be misunderstood here. So one caveat, and that is this. Our sin is not our only problem. Our sin is not our only problem. Because, friends... Our sin, our, our hearts are prone to, to idolatry. They are prone to, to rebellion. But there are also sins done against us. There's pain and suffering and trauma that we experience that we have little or nothing to do with. Our family background and cultural background and genetics and health and giftings and all of this plays into this. Which means that if you're struggling with sickness, it doesn't mean that you were failing to treasure jesus christ and if you find it difficult to trust other people it doesn't mean you're failing to treasure jesus christ if you feel exhausted it doesn't mean you are failing to treasure jesus christ and if you can't make heads or tails of what is going on in the world right now welcome to the club, it doesn't mean you're failing to treasure Jesus Christ. This diagram, this whole process of how change happens, of understanding our hearts, it's extremely difficult. It requires wisdom and patience and a boatload of grace. It did for me, it still does, it will for you. And Christians of all people in the world should be very ready to embrace others who need boatloads of those things. This model and this message is intended to equip you with tools, not to condemn you with guilt. There's my caveat. Friends, would God so see fit to use this model to help you to increasingly treasure Jesus Christ for months and years to come? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you love us, that you died for us that you make all of this possible. God, we know that even with this, these truths, if if there's anything worthwhile and anything that I've just shared, God, I I pray that, that we would be able to grab hold of it and that it would lead us to treasuring Christ more. And God, if there's anything that I've just said that is not holy from you, if it is not helpful, if it is not wise, would it just be forgotten quickly? But God, would we not forget Christ? No matter what comes our way, however the world bumps us, no matter what gross things come spilling out of us, would it lead us more and more to increasingly treasuring Jesus Christ, that our hearts might be changed, and so would this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.